Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Live Into Your Brilliance podcast, the place where we shine a light on the innate brilliance of the human condition and have a lot of fun blowing up the thought-created illusions that get in the way. You have your usual host, Al Kenny, and your usual host, Al Kenny, because today Mark can't be with me, so I am going solo for the first time. And... Um, it's something new. I'm excited to see where it will lead. And I'm also looking forward to, have it, to having my brother in arms back with me next week. The inspiration for today's conversation um, comes from a client call that I had last week. And this client is awesome person who has really seen the truth of how we are creating our reality moment to moment, thought by thought because we live in a thought-created reality. And he's not long been a client. And, and just after he became a client, we talked about, or he said to me, how it felt like he had acquired a superpower. This ability to see the nature of his experience, to be more at peace with his moods. And for a number of days, he kind of wandered through the world just enjoying life and being totally present to what was on offer. And then he hit a low mood. And we talked about how the low mood looks like the fist and an open mind, uh, an open hand looks like when we're in a high mood. And that was really valuable for him. However, he really started to become a little bit obsessed, if you will, with, well, when you're in a, in your, when you notice you're in a low mood, how do you get out of it? Like, what do you do? And he, and we, he said he just found it really hard. He was, he was aware that he was in a low mood. He was aware that his mind had become closed, and yet at the same time, he couldn't seem to just pop out of it. He couldn't seem to find his way back to the open hand, to an open mind, to a high mood. And this is really common. I equate this to um, a scene from The Matrix or to the movie The Matrix, and you've got the red and the blue pill, and it's which do you want? And Neo chooses the pill that's going to pop him out of The Matrix. And he then sees the illusion that he was living in, and he's able to re-enter that, but he has to learn how to be with it. And at the beginning, it's really disconcerting. And if you remember the character who had the shaved head and the mustache, he, he had enough of it. He was like, I just want to go back into the Matrix. I'd like to take the other pill if I could. And this talks to the truth about how we're made and what's on offer and what's not on offer. So the greatest illusion is the illusion of control. It's when we think we have it all figured out that, of, that often life surprises us the most. And we're not in control of our moods. And yet we can be aware of our moods. We can be aware of our feelings. And the mere fact that we become aware of them is the gift. So if you think about it like this, when we go into the closed hand, the closed mind, the closed fist, if you will. When we're in the illusion, we're not aware that we are a closed fist. 
because we are the closed fist. And when we're acting from that place, that's when we do or say things that often create a mess and we have to go back and figure them out. We have to go back and clean them up because when we come back to our senses, we see things more clearly and often we think, hmm, that probably wasn't maybe the thing that I would have loved to have said. And so we just go back and fix it. Now, if you imagine that you become aware of the fact that you have fallen into a low mood, you've gone into the basement of your thinking, you now get perspective on the idea and the fact that you've fallen into a low mood and you've become closed-minded and you're observing your closed mind. Now, if you're observing your closed mind and you're aware of it, you are no longer in the illusion. And now you have a choice. And the choice isn't to do or say something that's going to get you out of a closed mind because that's not an offer. The choice is, number one, to accept it. And then number two, to slow down and do or say very little from that place. So an example, a simple example of this is when we notice ourselves getting irritated or frustrated, let's say with our partner or with our kids or with perhaps with a friend, and we feel ourselves becoming closed-minded. Now, as I said, if we're in the illusion, we might just be totally reactive. But if we catch wise to it, because we have been in the practice of being mindful about where we're at and really tuning into what our feelings are trying to tell us, then we can start to notice ourselves going there and we can choose to step away. We can choose to say to someone, hey, listen, I'm going to take a breather because I can feel myself getting uptight here. And I do want to talk about this, but I would prefer to talk about it when I'm in the right state to do so, because it'll be more helpful for you and me to do it from that place. Now, don't expect everyone to always agree with you when you do this, because, you know, from experience, like I am someone that when I actually am annoyed and when I'm in the illusion, I often want people to argue with me. It's a <laughs> strange little kink in the way that I'm built. Now, I think I'm learning to get better at it, but I know that like sometimes when I've had an argument with my wife, Sean, and she is actually really good at just walking away and saying, listen, I'm not talking to you at this point. Like we need to just take a break. And when I'm in the illusion, I pursue it. I'm like, no, we need to talk about this now. We need to like work it out now. And I look at that and think it's the most bizarre thing because there's no chance it's going to work out. But Sean's pretty steadfast. And her, no, we're going to wait. And thankfully, she, in those cases, is right. Because when I come back to my senses, then I am fully able to see things from a lighter, more expansive perspective. And that has a huge bearing on where those conversations lead. So... What I want to talk, so that's the first thing, because I just really want us to go, because really what we're talking about here is, well, what do I do when I notice that I'm in a low mood? 
And what's a way of being that is going to serve me in those moments such that I can become really practiced uh, in the art of living through a low mood? So the first one is to note, once you're aware of it, then you have a choice. And I'm going to say that the first choice is acceptance rather than resistance. If you resist your low mood, it actually is counterintuitive because you're applying energy to your low mood. So think about it like a spinning top. If a spinning top is set in motion, what's going to happen if no further energy is applied to it? the spinning top is just going to lose momentum at some point and it's just going to come to a stop. Now, what will keep it going is if there's energy applied to it to keep it spinning. Well, our minds work in the same way and our low mood works in the same way. If we notice we're in a low mood and we've gotten busy-minded, when we don't resist it and we're just in acceptance of that, oh, I'm in a low mood or I'm busy-minded, that's okay. There's nothing for me to do about that. It's not a problem. And even sometimes just observing our thoughts can be really helpful. So step number one, choose acceptance rather than resistance. Because this too shall pass. It will not last as long as you might imagine. It might be minutes, it might be hours, in some cases it might be days, but it will pass. But then there's something else that's at play here, which is, well, what's on offer beyond just acceptance? And I'm going to point towards curiosity here. Now, when we have a busy mind or when we're in a low mood and we can move into acceptance of it, then we can start to get curious. And there are some fundamental questions that I would say are really useful for us to ask ourselves. Number one might be, what is true about this moment? Like, what are the facts of the matter versus my story. Now, when we're in a low mood, often we have a lot of story about the past that's at play, or we have a lot of story about the future. Because in the present moment, there's very little. The facts of the matter tend to be quite um, small, if you will, just in terms of volume. Like there's n There doesn't tend to be a huge amount of facts of the matter. They tend to be tight and clear. But when we embellish them with our story about like, well, like this, I've seen this before, and, and, and this, is, this must be the same as that, or, you know, we're trying to figure out, we've added in so much into the future, you know, maybe we've got a decision that we don't know the answer to yet. So that might be like the facts of the matter, let's say, could be, um, am I going to change? I, I think I might change my job, but I just don't know. I've got an opportunity but I don't know yet what I'm going to do. There's a great example of where we can get really busy-minded and fall into a low mood thinking, well, you know, this has been really good to me and uh, like, um, 
you know, what's the right decision? And, and if I do this and it doesn't work out, then what might happen and run those scenarios? If I do and it does run out, run those scenarios, but will I fall out with people? You can see how quickly we can fall into story. But the fact of the matter there would be, let's just say I have a job offer, I'm in a current job, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. That's okay. All right, there are the facts of the matter right now in this moment. That's true. Now the next question that I would put on the table would be, is there anything that I know to do? Or is there anything that I want to do right now? And that's about getting quiet and seeing, is there anything to do? And this isn't an intellectual pursuit. That's why I say it's about quietening down and just taking a moment to see what emerges. Maybe there will be something, maybe there won't. But often, like a next step is really simple. It might be, oh, actually, I'm going to go and speak to that person. That's a good idea. Or I want to just go and... um, look at this piece of data. I do want to do that now. And if there is something, then you can go and do it. But if there isn't something, often then something else will come to mind. Like if we are, if we've A, chosen to be accepting or chosen acceptance, B, we've gotten curious because we're no longer quite as disturbed by it as we were because we're now in our awareness. And as if Mark was here, he would probably say we're leaning back into our lazy boy of our awareness and we're observing ourselves, we're observing the moment, we're observing what's on offer, we're getting curious about what's true and what do I know. Then the next step is either we do that or something else shows itself. Like, you know what, I'm just going to go for a walk or I'm going to throw myself into some other aspect of my life that is available to me, or I'm just going to sit and do nothing. And I know that sounds so strange, this idea of sitting and doing nothing. But sometimes that's all that's required, is for us to be with ourselves and to become comfortable with being with ourselves, both when we're in a high mood, and the way, in all honesty, we'd all like to feel more of the time, and comfortable being with ourselves when we're in a low mood. The place we'd probably rather we were not there, but we're okay with the fact that we are there, because we haven't put ourselves there. And this is really important to know. We don't put ourselves in a bad mood, no more than we put ourselves in a high mood. Our moods are a function of the thought we're attached to in any moment, and we're not creating our thinking. You know, we're not, we can't summon thoughts into our heads. Like we observe our thinking, we can attach to thinking. Our thinking is how we create everything. And yet, when we personalize it too much and think, well, it must be me because I'm making all of this up. It's like, and there's a real paradox here. Yes, I am. And I am not to blame for the reality that I'm creating. It's just that I can see the reality I've created and I can keep going down that path or I can let that go and 
see um, what emerges that's new and fresh. There's a great quote by Krishnamurti, which is, there is thinking, but there is no thinker. And I love that quote because it points to the innocence of mankind. It points to the innocence for me, for you, which is, oh, there is thinking, but there's no thinker. There isn't um, a doer of the thoughts. And I think that's the illusion that I would love to blow up is you're not doing it. We are not doing it to ourselves. We're observing what we have created. And through that observation, we have the opportunity to let go and to watch what emerges. And that to me is the practice, the practice in knowing the truth of that and therefore not becoming too attached to the highs or too attached to the lows. Because as sure as night follows day, they will interchange with each other frequently throughout the day, perhaps throughout a week. You know, it's amazing just to notice the fluctuations of our thinking and our feeling system as it's working um, all the time in our favor. And the more practice we become in it, the more accepting of it, the more we can, um, I would say, enjoy it. You know, there's, um, again, I have this printed on my wall and it's um, a poem from uh, Sidney Banks. Well, I think it's a short poem or a short phrase of his. And it says this, um, let your mind be still for the wisdom you seek is like that butterfly over yonder. If you try to catch it with your intellect, it will simply fly away. On the other hand, if you can still your mind someday, when you least expect it, it will land in the palm of your hand. Now that's, as I said, from the great Scottish mystic Sidney Banks. But I love the way he phrases it. Let your mind be still. He's not saying, make your mind still. You know, it's not like a doing thing. It's an allowing. Let your mind be still. For the wisdom that you seek is like that butterfly over yonder. Now, if you ever think about catching a butterfly, you know, it's not as easy as it kind of looks. And to come back to Sydney Banks, because if you try to catch it with your intellect, if we try and use our intellect to find wisdom, that's how we apply momentum to the spinning top. And the more we do that, the further away the butterfly will, will dance. Our wisdom will remain just out of reach. But on the other hand, if you can still your mind, just sitting in the lazy boy of your consciousness, the lazy boy of your awareness, being with what is, when you least expect it, it will land in the palm of your hand. I think that's why, you know, our best ideas, our insights come to us when we're in the shower, when we're going for a walk, when we're just listening to a piece of music or to someone else talk and then boom, like, oh, there it is. Huh. And we didn't have to do anything to find it. And 
and this is what's available to all of us, is knowing the simple and yet not simplistic. Simple in the way that we can just know it works. Not simplistic in that it's actually, it must be, it just, it's probably, it's just so far beyond our comprehension to try and figure out, well, how does it work? We don't really need to know, but we can just be with the simplicity of, I'm creating my experience of the world through my thinking. And I experience the quality of my creation in any moment through the feeling, my feeling system, which helps me just know where I'm at in any given moment. And knowing where I'm at is a gift. And beneath all of this, I have this incredible GPS system, this incredible innate wisdom, which is always going to meet me exactly where I am and offer me the perfect next step. And all I have to do is let my mind be still, be with myself in the moment, and be awake to what that possibility is. And so coming back to where I started this conversation, which was with the matrix and the idea of Neo and the choices we have to make, Really, our journey is a bit like Neo's journey in the Matrix. It's a journey of self-awareness. Neo learned how to harness the truth. And it was about accepting it. But as the more he accepted the truth, the more that he saw the truth. And so the question emerges for me and for you and for all of us, which is, are we ready to be the Neo of our own lives? And are we prepared to go on that journey of awareness, which will allow us to see through the nature of the illusion, which sometimes might feel uncomfortable, but it will be totally worth it. And there are so many examples that I think we can all tap into where we can see that we know exactly how this works. And so that what we're really talking about here is something that we all know, but sometimes forget. And the gift is in the remembering. So I hope um, for you listening to this, um, I know it's a little bit strange because normally it's myself and Mark and and I'm looking forward to having him back because there's a real beauty in having someone to bounce ideas around with. But I hope that what um, you found in this is useful in some way. And if you notice yourself in that low mood, in becoming tight-fisted, tight, you know, um, close-minded versus the open hand, open-minded, just know that one is not better than the other. They're both the gift, telling you just where you're at in that moment. And knowing that and being mindful of that allows you to become practiced in the choices you make from those places. So we slow down when we notice we're in a low mood, allow it to be and get curious about what's on offer from there. And in the same way, when we notice that we're in full flow and open-minded, we can 
well, typically, even then, when then we don't get um, as caught up in that, we're just in the flow and enjoying life. Um, thank you for listening. I hope you have found it valuable. Uh, wish you all an amazing week. Keep living into your brilliance. And as always, myself and Mark would love any questions, comments that you would love us, uh, comments or topics that you would love us to discuss um, in these weekly conversations. But until next week, have a wonderful week and we will talk to you then. Thank you for joining us on this enlightening journey, unraveling the innate brilliance within every human being. We hope today's episode has sparked new thoughts and inspired fresh perspectives. Remember, the power to shatter illusions and unleash your true potential lies within you. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite platform. If you'd like more insights and daily doses of inspiration, you can follow me on Instagram at alkennycoaching. Or you can connect with myself and Mark on LinkedIn, uh, where we will share articles and perspectives about unlocking your innate brilliance. Remember, you are capable of extraordinary things. Keep believing, keep exploring, and keep shining brightly. Take care and stay brilliant.